Hello, and welcome to HR Unplugged. In today's episode, Anita Grantham, Bamboo HR Head of HR, and myself, Vanessa Brulot, Bamboo HR Human Resource Business Partner, discuss the details of a stay interview, what you should include, how often they should be scheduled, and why they're important to help you keep high-performing employees. By the end of the podcast, you will know how stay conversations help improve retention, who you should have stay conversations with and how often, and what to include and what not to include in stay interviews. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Well, let's let's dive in. Like so today, like we've we've stated before, we're going to be talking about stay conversations and want to start with the the important foundational question that some 13% of you are asking, what is a stay conversation? Anita, what would you have to say about that? So this to me is easily defined. If I have somebody on my team that got a call from a recruiter, would they take it? And would I know about it? And if I don't know about it and I'm going to be sad if they leave, then I want to make sure I have a conversation to say, hey, Vanessa, do you feel like you're engaged enough in the work that we're doing together that you would stay for the next two years? It's actually a survey question when we talked about data and well-being in a few episodes ago. It's one of my favorite engagement questions. Do you see yourself at this place to work in the next two years? I think two years is a reasonable time frame. I think you know whether you want to stay at some place for two years. So to me, it's really important to make sure that you have these conversations with anyone that you would not want to see leave. So, um, you know, I didn't want to get into a high performing, average performing, all of that stuff. I just want you to go through and take allocation of the people on and off your team. And if you were surprised if they left and you feel like you'd be surprised, maybe you should have a conversation to say, hey, would you be here in the next two years? So the goal is really to find out what it would take to get them to say, what it is that they see their future to be at the organization and how you as a leader can help. Mm -hmm. So now that we know what stay conversations are, why are they important? I know in my experience that stay conversations have created, created, say that 10 times fast, an opportunity (laughs) to build safe environments for employees and myself to bring up some of the issues I might have to work and figure out solutions to solve those problems. Anita, why do you think stay conversations are so important? It's right here. 80% of people dread having conversations, difficult conversations at work. So I think the likelihood of somebody telling you that they're unhappy proactively is a low odds bet. So I don't care if you want to look at two years or one year, whatever time horizon feels normal for you. Pick somebody that hasn't you haven't had a really thoughtful conversation about that you would be bummed if they told you they were resigning and like just extend a branch. And this is hard. You know, almost the beginning of it is is it's harder for the leader to ask these questions, Vanessa, than it is for the recipient sometimes to answer. We'll talk about both sides of the coin, but you as a leader have to be willing to hear the you're always willing to hear the good, but you have to be willing to hear the bad and the ugly when you ask this question. And I just don't think people are going to proactively tell you. I mean, 11% of workers quit their job to avoid difficult conversations and almost 40% consider quitting their job to avoid difficult conversations at work. So if you aren't teeing it up, 
then I don't think it's going to be happening. And I definitely think it should be you, the direct supervisor of the person, or you'd be coaching leaders on how to have these conversations. I don't believe that as HR with our HR hat on that you should go and have stay conversations with other leaders, team members. I think this is definitely something that you do. It's a leadership practice for you on your team. It's pretty incredible that so many employees would rather quit their jobs than have a difficult conversation at work. But again, without a safe space for to have those conversations, it can be hard to know how to bring up issues or challenges. But what what are some of the more granular benefits of having stay conversations? How does it help managers? Well, I think managers can do it. I think executives could do it. Look, I I love giving our CEO a list of people and I'm like, go have a conversation with them. And he just does it at random. You know, so whether your organization is flat or hierarchical, um, large or small, it doesn't matter. You can deploy this as a tool to address any possible retention issues because the best time to retain somebody is before they've taken that job with a recruiter or taken that call with a recruiter. You want to get ahead of that phone call. Like the recruiting market for top talent is still really hot. I get, you know, three to four calls a day. Vanessa, how many calls are you getting right now? I have three or four calls a week. Yeah. Hit up a couple times a week on LinkedIn right? You're hit up all the time. And so my job on Vanessa's team, and I'm not her direct leader, but Vanessa is a great contributor to our team. So I want to make sure that she has no interest in taking that call. And so um, you can be proactive retention issues. You can really make sure that there's fewer emotions because as soon as somebody kind of goes on that first call and they start thinking about what their new future is going to be like at a new organization, it does get emotional. And they start thinking about all the reasons why they're going to leave you, all the reasons why you haven't been the manager that they'd hoped for, all of those things. And you want to be able to get ahead of that. And you really want to give yourself a chance to contribute to that new future for that team member. And you're right. Like you have to create an open space where if you hear ugly things, you're not going to be defensive because if you're defensive about it, people will not give you the information. Mm -hmm. I I came up with a pretty elaborate example of how I see state conversations. So bear with me. Vanessa. I think it's it's a really awesome analogy. So everybody, let's go with Vanessa on this trip. For all of you creative thinkers out there, you might connect on this. <laughs> but anybody, think about the a fishing trip or any of you that like to go fishing or gone fishing. Think about there's this big lake and there's a group of people that you're with that you're going fishing with. Each individual person has their own canoe and they're going out into the middle of the lake. They're given the same set of stuff to be able to go out to, to fish or some of them have more experience with fishing. Some of them don't. And they all go out do, doing their own thing. And then you've got your, your leader on the shoreline who isn't out there fishing with you, but they're just kind of overseeing, make sure everyone's still out there and everyone's above water. And then a state conversation is that leader saying, you know what, I'm going to go in and check on Vanessa. And so I'm so let's say it's Anita. Anita hops into the canoe and goes out to, to visit me in my canoe and says, hey, how's your your the fishing trip going for you today? How are you how are you doing? And then and let's say she goes out into the middle of the of goes out in the middle of the day and checks in on me. By that time, I might have some frustrations built, but I'm not quitting yet. And I say, hey, you know what? I'm not catching any fish, or I'm getting frustrated, like I'm not 
near everybody else. Like I'm, I'm not close. And then Anita might find out that I have the wrong fishing line where I'm not able to catch the right fish. I might not have the right hook. I might not have the right bait for the type of fish that are in the lake at that time. And so then it's an opportunity to say, oh, hey, go over there to, to Thomas. And I know he's got some really great things for you. The right lures, the right bait, whatever it is that, that I need and connect me to Thomas or, hey, let me go back and get some of the line for you. I'll come back out. So helping with the resources, but able to take that feedback, like Anita was saying, good or bad, and it helped me with my experience. It's the same thing with employee experience. We're on this journey. We want to create that really good employee experience. And if if Anita didn't go out there at all, was just like, oh, everybody looks like they're having fun, whatever. And at the end of the day, I might say, you know what? Screw that. I did not get any fish. And this is a horrible experience. I never want to go fishing again. I quit. And, and so that's kind of how I think about uh, stay conversations and creating that really good experience in that safe space. So Anita, how, how do stay conversations benefit employees? I love this analogy, Vanessa, thank you for sharing it because, you know, the biggest thing that will benefit employees is that you're going to help them feel valued, right? Like think about if, if somebody was doing this for you, right? And I, I would not tie it to an annual performance review. I would leave it separate. And I like going to somebody and saying, hey, your contributions have been so amazing. I really appreciate this, what you do for the team. These are the things that I've observed. You help your team, you know, improve. You give critical feedback. You think beyond your function. You um, help others when you've already done your work. You pull people up. And I'm so, so grateful. And I really want to know if a recruiter called you and asked you to take a call for another job, would you be open to taking that call? And it's kind of a weird conversation because you go from appreciation into a very direct question and it often takes people back. And it's just really great because they know that you're valuing, you know, that they care about you, right? That gives you an opportunity to suggest ways in a non-emotional environment where they can improve the work, the outcome and the relationships. And you learn things that you would not have known otherwise that you and a leader can actually go ahead and take part of. So, I mean, I think you can do these in sales. I think you can do them in all functions. And I think you let um, those leaders focus on them. And you kind of, you could do it with a leader that you're partnered with. You could do it with a peer. It doesn't have to be a hierarchical relationship, right? I could go to another peer that I really love working with. I've done this before and say like, hey, I know, I know it's been a tough month for you, or I know it's been a tough quarter for you or whatever. I've observed these things. You know, if a recruiter called you right now, would you take the call? And what would we need to do differently as teammates to help work better together to get over these things, right? So you can use them up, down, diagonal, or sideways. And, you know, a Gallup survey in 2021 found that 52% of voluntarily departing employees say their manager could have done something to prevent them from leaving their job, 50%. So if you know, and you know that you don't want to lose this talent because we know that acquiring new talent is way more costly than investing in existing talent, I really want to make the business case for why this is an important practice for our team members and our leaders out there. I want to, uh, Yvonne Noland uh, made a really great comment on, in response to that is I do this for my team, but the other managers do not great way to get to the bottom of tiny irritants before they become major issues, which is so true. 
I love that one. I love that one because it's true. Like it's kind of the straw that, you know, that can break your back and, and, and it's a hundred, like, or what is it? A hundred thousand different paper cuts that you just can't stand anymore because it's so annoying. And it wouldn't have been a big deal if you addressed it on the first paper cut you got, but with 20 more, it's causing you severe pain. Yeah. Well, what about other data on retention? How do stay conversations directly impact retention and turnover? Yeah, so another uh, another statistic shows that stay interviews improve turnover by 20% or more, even during the great resignation. And nearly two in five job leavers who didn't have a stay interview said it would have made an impact on retention. And again, my primary reason on this is that it lets people know that you care and that you see them and that you don't want them to go. And But like, let me be clear, if you get all this information back and you don't do anything, like don't have the conversation um, or be honest, be like, hey, like, I don't see you don't like working with this leader. I don't see that leader leaving. You either have a choice to get along with them. I've had this conversation many a time, right? You have a choice to get along with this leader and find a way to make it forward. Or we should find a different a different opportunity for you to work within a different team because they're not going anywhere. So I think being um, straight up about the current situation and what you can impact and what you can't is also key to making good on these conversations. Yeah. Well, we've had some some great discussion about why stay conversations are important are important, but we need to understand who we should be having these conversations with and how often. And I know we've been getting that question quite a bit in the chat. So I'm glad we're into this section. But Anita, what is your general rule when trying to figure out who to have these conversations with and should they be with everyone? So that's why the poll question was so important. I want you to think about your team and I want you to think about who you'd be disappointed if they resigned. And that's the first list I'd love for you to make. And, you know, do one a week, one a month, whatever works into your schedule and um, think about it that way. It really boils down to thinking about your team members and who's on your team. And if they resigned, would you be sad or surprised? It's, it's really, really simple. And then go ahead and start having those conversations is the best way to, to get into it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that advice is spot on. It, it really puts into focus on who the leaders I partner with as an HRBP should be having those conversations with. It also gives like a sense of urgency to make sure the organization and myself as a leader that we're doing what we can to provide a good space for high performers to share their challenges or maybe their reasons for potentially leaving. So Anita, what do you recommend about the consistency of how often you should be having these conversations with employees? Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends. Like uh, we can use Vanessa and Nia as a use case. Um, Vanessa and I had her state, state conversation a year ago. And um, since then we've made on, you know, well, I need to ask her if we've made good on all of the commitments that we've talked about. And so we have that conversation. So it actually would be a good time. I'm putting it on my calendar, actually, to go back in and have a follow-up conversation with Vanessa on how we've done in those commitments over the last year. So again, so we had the conversation. We've made a number of the changes. You want to give a time for those changes to kind of move through the system. And then you would want to come back and say, hey, how are we doing on those things? And I've checked in with Vanessa along the way. How is it going? We've had these leadership changes. You've had a role change. How are those things doing? Like it 
it hasn't been in the context of if a recruiter called, would you take the call? But, you know, I still think it's good to go back and say, hey, how are you feeling about things? So um, again, like don't get overly formulaic or prescriptive in this. You've got to really trust your gut and your instinct on when you think it's time to go ahead and kind of engage in those follow-up conversations. What I like too, that it changes the roadmap of that conversation with the employee, because then you're not asking those same questions over and over because then it doesn't seem genuine. Yeah. And it takes time to make change, right? Like when we first got together, you wanted to go into something new. You didn't know what it was. You weren't sure that you wanted to stay in the same job. Correct me if I, if any of these things aren't, aren't accurate. You know, you were kind of not sure where you wanted to go next, but you wanted to deliver a huge impact, you know, so you, it takes time to kind of craft through all of those, all of those different points. You know, Gartner research shows that voluntary turnover rates are higher in the, in the back half of the year. Um, and so, you know, cause people are closer to getting their bonus and their payouts or, you know, they're looking ahead into the new year. So, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, you can look at having these conversations around different triggers in the organization. Like I like to look at a report of like, when was the last time Vanessa had a job change? When was the last time she had a leadership change? Um, you know, it's interesting, 12% of people increase their job search activity on their birthday, right? Because I think as people continue to age, they're like, is this the job I'm doing for the rest of my life? There's actually an amazing conversation between Brene Brown and Tim Ferriss um, that was posted on Instagram over the weekend where she talks about like what happens is you get into these midlife times and what you're questioning about your life. And so I think birthday is definitely a time people are like, am I still in this dead end job? Am I making any progress here? And so it could be an interesting thing that you put in your mind of like, hey, it's somebody's birthday day. I'm going to check in on them and see how they are, where they are in their life path. And if they're, you know, feeling fulfilled and everything that they want to be fulfilled in at this time in their life and how I, as their leader and partner can help them in those things. I love that. That's such an interesting stat. And yeah, it's something that I, I've never even thought of before, but it, it totally makes sense as you as you walk through that. And one of the, the questions that keeps coming up in the chat, and I know some people have answered it. I know, Anita, you answered it as well, is who should be conducting the stay interview and why? Why isn't it HR? Why should it be a leader? So we probably need a whole podcast on this. We talked about this in our prep, but Vanessa and I believe in a leader run, a leader led organization. So to me, that means that as HR, we create process tools and frameworks for our leaders to run through, um, but our leaders take the lead on the things that they are responsible for. And when you take on a, a position of leading others, that means you're responsible for having those stay interviews because I can create a great experience for a team member, but if they're not on their team and they're not reporting to me and I'm not helping them in their performance, it doesn't make as big of a difference as that directly or working with them every day. So, you know, we are really passionate about building leader-led organizations. And as, you know, an HR people leader, it's our job to help the leader be prepared to have those conversations and understand what the impact is if they don't have those conversations. So that, that would be my advice. I would also share that your organization will never be large enough to service all the leaders that you have at any size. So when you teach leaders to fish versus going out and fishing for them, going back to Vanessa's fishing example, you're really creating a world of better leaders, which is something that I'm, I'm definitely really passionate about. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and Martha, I, thank you for that comment. I, uh, I love the book when by Daniel Pink, it goes into a lot of 
the, the reasons why time can make such an impact in people's lives. Like we always talk about the new year, new year's resolutions. There's like, you just mentioned birthdays, there's end of school year for, for individuals. There's, there's so many different, uh, times in our lives or, or when, even in the day of when we start over in our mind. Uh, and, and so it's, it's such a good book if, if anybody's ever read it, but just speaks towards that stat of, of why it's so important to think about when people might be considering like changes. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a really interesting point and this is why, uh, taking a view as as well as being leader led Vanessa. And I also believe in whole life tools, And when you're leading a team that's responsible for leading humans, you have to think about their whole life. And there's definitely milestones to be aware of. So it's a great tool for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we can't leave here today without talking about what should be included in a state interview. So Anita, what should we not be leaving out of these important conversations? Yes. So the first thing is you have to get somebody to want to have the conversation. And I'm seeing a lot of feedback and comments of my leader will not engage in these type tough conversations. I mean, we've all worked with leaders that lack the ability to be direct. And that's primarily because we don't want to engage in conflict. I don't know a human that likes to engage in conflict. And so I want to give you this nugget. It changed my life. There is no such thing as conflict. Like literally, if you leave this call with nothing else but this comment, that's really all you need to leave with. There is no such thing as conflict. There is only lack of context. And so if you can change your relationship with conflict and go into it as an investigator, and we've talked about being an investigator a lot on this podcast, I think it's a primary capability of a strong people or HR leader. You go in being an investigator, you go in being curious, and you go in realizing that you just want to see the world from their perspective. It doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean that you're good. It doesn't mean that you're a bad leader. Like, get rid of all that stuff. You just want to go and learn about their experience from their point of view. So the first thing you want to do to get yourself prepared for that conversation and crucial conversations is a super book, and it has a great framework. I'm just looking for it here. Um, It has a great framework to how to kind of line up and set the template for these conversations. And the first thing I like to do is set my intention. So like with Vanessa, I knew when we first had this conversation, I was really new to Bamboo. Vanessa had been at Bamboo over five years. I really wanted to learn about her. I wanted to learn what she was passionate about. I wanted to know how she saw the world at Bamboo and what were the things she wanted to see better or different. And I knew that even though we hadn't worked together very long, I wanted her on the team. I could tell that she was a truth teller, that she was respectful about it, that she was committed to the success of Bamboo. And I just could tell from how she interacted, I wanted her on the team. And so my intention was to learn about her, learn about what she wanted to do, and build our relationship together. Okay, so I had three intentions. And so as I went into that conversation, I also, like I went in with this, like lead from where I am. This is one of the bamboo values. So anytime that you can tie back these conversations to your values, it's really, really useful, especially in getting leaders over the hump. And to me, if leaders don't want to have this conversation, then I want to be like, maybe you should go back to be an individual contributor. 
because part of your job as a leader is to retain and attract great talent. And if you don't feel like you're up for the task, then let's put you in a job that doesn't require you to do that. I'm really not sure what that is if you work with other humans, but we can put you in a job where you work with AI or other computers, and then you won't have to engage in conflict. Although if you've worked in AI, you know that it's still conflicting because they hallucinate. So um, you know, get leaders really excited about having this conversation because it's part of what they need to do and build capability for. And then you can, and we'll send this out. Mike, um, Mike is on our team. He's amazing. He helps us run these podcasts, but we'll talk about sending. Yes, he's amazing. My half heart. Um, and we'll talk about sending out all of these things, but you can talk about, you know, what are your thoughts around the organization today? If you received another offer from another company, um, would you take it? Um, you know, what challenges are you facing in your role right now? What do you love best about your job? If you could change one thing or take it away and you didn't have to deal with it anymore, what would it be? Um, you know, a question I often finish a call with is what can I do better or different for you? Because that way it's not like, what don't you like about me or where am I a failure? It's just like, hey, Vanessa, you know, as somebody on your team, what could I do uh, better or different for you? And that gives it a different tone. It's more constructive. So language really, really makes a difference here. Um, you know, what do you see next on your career path? Do you know what you want to do next? Do you want to brainstorm about that? Um, I love this question. We don't ask it enough. How do you like to be recognized? You know, it's, it goes, my other favorite book I'll give a shout out to here is the five love languages. They have the five love, love languages for work as well. But, you know, do you like public or private recognition? Um, are gifts important to you? You know, what do you like? So I think that's important. Those are a few ideas. I don't know, Vanessa, what, what would you add to this list? Yeah, I think uh, one, I liked that you talked about changing the language because one of the, the things that I think about sometimes if we're asking for feedback, the word feedback has kind of a negative connotation to it when we when we hear it and just changing it to, hey, what advice would you have for me? Like changing it to advice or, hey, what advice would you have for this individual? It, it completely changes the, the lens of how you you help. It becomes a lot more constructive, kind of like what you're saying. Our, our CEO, Brad Wrencher, he's he's a master at asking great questions. And he often starts questions with how might we work to, together to deliver a better outcome for our customers? How might we develop a new product that our customer, you know, I'm just, but starting with how might we is also a way. Um, I love what you're saying. And actually, I, we should do a podcast on this too, but I loathe the word feedback. Oftentimes, if you come, and Vanessa knows this, if you come and you're like, hey, can I deliver some feedback to you today? I will say no. Like there are days that I am not open to feedback. And um, and I think it's important to kind of know your customer a little bit. Um, the word feedback actually triggers a, a biological response from your amygdala, which is in your brain, which produces your fight or flight response. And so the word feedback produces that because you feel like you're going to defend yourself and you want to go defend yourself. And so you're automatically going to be defensive. So I think picking your words is, is really important. Mm -hmm. When I think for me, the most important question or, or topics in stay interviews have been like when, when in our experience, like asking me, like if a recruiter called you today to chat, would you take the call? I had never been asked that just point blank. And I think you probably remember my face because I'm very expressive. <laughs> oh, oh crap. Like literally she, she dropped an F-bomb, I think in the middle of the conference room. 
<laughs> it doesn't surprise me at all. I think I just blacked out. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, what is happening? Because I, I just had never been asked. And it was an aha moment for me that I really wasn't doing okay because I answered yes. And, and, and like Anita said, like, I'm very, I, I will give a straight up answer if asked. And, and I, I said, yeah, I'll, t- I would take a call. And as part of the experience and the conversation, the one thing that I really, a couple of things I really appreciate about it that I hope other leaders kind of take notes on is you had made eye contact with me. You expressed con- like genuine concern with the things that I was bringing up and listened, like actively listening to me as I was talking about everything. And it made me feel like I was in a very safe space where, where I could be very open. And it, it, it made me feel like it wasn't a conversation just to have a conversation, like a new leader coming in and just checking it off the checkbox and, oh, well, it's just, I'm just going to be thrown to the, you know, thrown out after, you know, it's, it didn't feel like that. It felt like it was a meaningful connection that made me feel seen and heard. And we were able to, to reach solutions for several of the things discussed. But I think a lot of the, the great stay conversations for me have been from, from managers like you, Anita, like that was, that was huge and super impactful for, for my experience at Bamboo. And so how, how can we help our listeners instill these same ideas into their leaders at their organization? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for all those comments, Vanessa. And I think one important thing to know is that, you know, Vanessa took a risk. Um, she didn't know how I was going to respond. Um, and that's part of her personality, but I don't want to take that for granted in there. That's part of Vanessa's DNA and not all team members are like that. So you're going to want to be thoughtful that maybe the first answer you get isn't the accurate answer. So maybe you're going to want to get asked again. And I'm a big fan of actions speak louder than words. So, you know, if you have somebody that's disengaging and doing things like that, and they're telling you they want to stay, then I would want to say, well, I see you doing all of these things. And yet you're telling me you want to be here. Tell me as a leader, how do I reconcile those two things? Right. So that's like point one. Point two, when Vanessa was honest and said, yes, I would take that call. I moved into a mode of tell me more, like, tell me more what's gone on for you and what's happening. And versus being defensive of like, how could you leave me? I've done so much for you. I mean, that wasn't the case because I was a new leader, but I think a lot of leaders would say like, oh, you know, I can't believe you would say that, or I can't believe you would do this after all I've done for you. And the thing I want to tell you, it's, it's the Toby Keith song. It's not about you, right? (laughs) You know, that song where it's like, it's all about you. It's all about I, it's all about me. I want to talk about me as a leader. You have to let them talk about them and you have to care about them. It is not an attack on you, their experience of you or the organization. It's just the way it is. And oftentimes as leaders, we want to, we get in conflict with ourselves because we want it to be a different way. And if we could just acknowledge the way it is for Vanessa and work from that place, we can get to clarity so much faster than fighting it and saying it should be somewhere, some way else, which it's not. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that brings up a, a good, a good question from the audience. I I'm loving this conversation and I feel like this is like the perfect time to, to open this up for, for Q and A, cause we've gotten a couple of really great questions. And one of them was, how long should these stay interviews be? Like, do you, how much do you plan for? Like it's short, long, like what advice would you give there? 
Well, I mean, if you think you're going to get into a conversation, definitely plan for the time. You know, I, I think uh, you definitely don't want to be like, oh, I've got another meeting to go to, or you want to like, you know, oftentimes if I'm in the middle of a really intense conversation, I'll just, I'll just ask for the person I'm supposed to meet with next to be late or request a reschedule, but um, you have to do that sparingly. You don't want to do that all the time. So I do think you want to be thoughtful about that. You definitely want to, um, you know, stay focused on your intention. These are conversations that are like uh, spider webs. I call them spider web conversations. And if you're not careful, you'll go all over the web in discovery. That's why setting your intention early in the conversation about the three things you want to learn and do, you have to bring it back. And I've I've I've, seen, I've written intention on my hands before. I'm still an old school person. You know that I've got my notebook here. So I take furious notes. So if I'm engaging in a conversation, I'll put, you know, Vanessa at the top. I'll put my three intentions underneath. And then that way I'll go back to that page if I feel like mentally I'm getting lost in the spider web and I'm into all these other places. So you just really, really want to stay clear uh, about what you want to do. Um, but this is an example thing. This is a demonstration thing and more than a training thing. This is an intuitive exercise more than a process. Um, this is just about connecting with humans and understanding what they need. I mean, you can do this in your personal relationship. Like I actually, I, uh, I, you can do this with your, with your family. Like, what is it like, uh, for me to be your mom? What is it like for me to be your friend? Like, what is it like for you to have me as your friend? I mean, you're going to get some good answers, um, right? I did this for one of our founders. I said, what was it like for you to have me working through this process with you? I did that just last hour because I really wanted to know what his experience was around our, our we were working on a new process together that we've never worked in together. And I just wanted to know what it was like for him. Um, but right, I'm in the place of, I want to hear anything because I want to learn. And that's a core tenant of mine to improve and be better at what I want to be better at. I love that because it really helps build that partnership and trust between you and that leader. And it's it's so meaningful to have that. And I know you were talking about the three things that you want to focus on in a state interview, which is super important advice for, for everyone in the audience. I know that, uh, Rachel had a really good question about should leaders create their own state questions versus getting a general list of state questions. I feel sometimes for some, it becomes just a task to check complete and it loses its purpose. So what advice would you give with all those things? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm so glad that you asked it. The biggest piece of advice I can give you is be present in the conversation be with them. Like it worked between Vanessa and me because she took me on the journey with her. Right. So, I mean, I think, you know, we'd have to go back to that conversation, Vanessa, but I think some of the things you said, was like, I like what I'm doing, but I'm not sure this is what I want to do forever. And so I was like, all right, well, what, I think, you know, at that point, it was just a great opener of like, well, what do you think are the other things that you would enjoy? When you look at your current job, what about that job do you enjoy most? And I think in that answer, you had said, you know, I love working with leaders. I love helping them solve problems. I love being able to make an impact. And it was like, okay, what other roles could we have available on the team that would help you amplify those skills, right? They will lead you on the path of where you want to go. And so be curious about the path that they're leading you on and stay present with them. Well, that's a really good call because it's, it's good leadership right there. Good coaching, because you didn't tell me the answer. It was helping me reach it 
on my own to say, Hey, think about it. Cause I think even in the the first conversation, it was, we, we dove into a lot of those things and it was, Hey, think about it, you know, do go, go and really think about all the different ways that you are making impact and, and those things that we've talked about and where you want to be at bamboo, what impact you want to make. And it helped kind of drive a lot of my own passions and like, oh yeah, there are different avenues I can take. And it created way more excitement versus saying, oh, well, you should go into this role because I think it'd be great. It helped me pull me along as well. Well, and like, we were lucky that we were opening up a business partner function. We didn't have one in place. And that was, you know, so it was, it was good for Vanessa and it was good for Bamboo, but it has been, you know, um, taking a great talent like Vanessa, we're betting on high potential talent that doesn't necessarily, and Vanessa and I have talked openly about this, Vanessa hadn't built the capabilities of being a business partner. We're still building that together. So the organization was willing to take a bet on a quantity known in Vanessa that demonstrates our values and mission in a new role where she needs to build capabilities. And we're working on building capabilities. And Vanessa's committed to that. And Bamboo's committed to that. Right. So it takes a lot of things to put it together. But when you get intentional about what you want to do and you want to grow talent and you have a role where you can grow talent, not all not all roles are meant to build. Some are meant to buy. So you want to think about that. And then you can do it with a teammate like Vanessa, who's so open to feedback and coaching. Right. I mean, I don't feel we've had a lot of great conversations. I don't think any of them have been difficult where it's just like you're like, what did we learn today? What did we mess up today? What can we do better tomorrow? <laughs> you know, and and we're learning it together and it's not perfect, um, but it's growth and it's opportunity and it's challenge. I mean, what was the conversation we had? I don't know. Was it a few months ago where you're like, this is hard. And I was like, is it too hard? Because some days it might be too hard, right? And you were really honest about it. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Because if we're if we're not honest about it, then you get stuck in this little, uh, cloud of being lost. And, and it's, (laughs) and, and it's great because you and I have been able to, to have these continual open conversations and, and it's, it's just better that way because then you and I are able to reach even greater outcomes in our partnership as well, as we learn together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and that's part of this give and take that you have over time. It's about setting up leaders, and team members for success, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's just, it's really a practice that you can just get into and just start playing with it. And you know what, too, um, when I do something for the first time and I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable, I will say, Hey, I've never had a conversation like this before, but what I want you to know is that I really care about our partnership and I want to see you at bamboo. And I want to know from you, honestly, what it would to take for you to contribute two more years here. Like, what would that look like? What would Bamboo have to look like to do that? And I've never had a conversation like this. So just bear with me and let's have this conversation together. Because I think when you just call it out and you call out the discomfort, it's easier than just trying to fake your way through it sometimes. Yes, I, I love that you called that out because it's it's one of the the parts of the framework for crucial conversations. And and just you're you're basically showing vulnerability so that that other person can take down their walls. And I, cause I remember the first time I came to bamboo, the first crucial conversation I had with the leader, it was immediate face went red, arms crossed and walls went up because my delivery at the very beginning was just straight to the point because I hadn't learned that framework yet. 
And, and then as I learned, it's like, Hey, I'm going to open up a vulnerability to show like, Hey, this is uncomfortable for me, but I really care about you. And I care about the impact that we can make together. And I, so I really want to have this conversation and, and I love the way that you framed it because it allows for that intro into the state conversation to break down those walls necessary to get to that core uh, issue that you want to help resolve. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and, and so like, we haven't talked about this yet, but here's point two. So there is no conflict. There's only context. And the second point is if you don't know, you can't fix it. So like, if you're not willing to hear anything, then how will you ever improve? And so this is where, and I saw it in the chat, the humility is key. You have to understand that like, look, we're in um, an organization with all of us on this call, over 600 people today. And er always somebody is mad at us, right? Um, We spend 90% of our time on the 10% of people that are unhappy with something. And so you have to keep your energy really high. You have to recognize that the majority of the things that you deal with on a daily basis aren't the experience for the majority. And you have to realize that it's not a personal thing, that you really want to have the information so you can improve. And I start to put together themes. I look for patterns. So I um, you know, I was working with a team member today and I said, I've heard over and over again that the team experiences you in a way that they want to have more interaction from you. You're really good at managing up. You're really good at managing down. The next opportunity for you is to manage across with your peers. Your peers really want it and I need it from you, you know, as, as the leader of this team. So how do we work on that together? And then this person was able to share their perspective of maybe why that was challenging and shared at times that this person felt like they weren't able to give or contribute in the conversations in a way that was meaningful. And so we talked through that. But it wasn't from a place of defensiveness. It was a place of curiosity around how can I help you be better? Because I see if you unlocked this portion, it would be better for you and your career path and the whole team and the organization. Well, I I want to, I know we're, uh, we've got some good questions coming through. There's one I wanted to hit on. I was trying to scroll up because I'm like, oh my goodness, there's so much activity going on. And first I want to give a heart to Matthew. Thank you for your yes. shout out. To no. Thank you. <laughs> So Addison wrote, I'm in a younger company, newly experiencing rapid growth. I can foresee that not all of our leaders necessarily would have time to have conversations like this. What is the pro con in myself and my people ops team facilitating conversations like this instead of leaders? Oh, Oh, let's talk about this. I do not want you facilitating these conversations. And if your leaders don't have time, I'm curious what else they're doing if they're not leading their teams. Like, what else do they have to do besides drive performance through their teams? And so this doesn't mean that if you have a team of 50, that you're having all 50 conversations in the first week. Remember, the gate of the conversation is, hey, if if these five people gave you your resignation tomorrow, how would that impact you? And maybe pick one of those and go have a conversation this week as part of your one-on-one. That's a beautiful place to go have it. But it is about the leader and enabling them and the cost like pro con about it is that it's way easier to retain this talent if they're delivering than it is to go get new talent and bet on an unknown quantity. That's way more difficult. So take the time and have the conversation and really learn. And if you don't have time for the conversation, then maybe you shouldn't be in a people leadership role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what do you think are the the three takeaways that we, we want everybody to have uh, after this call? Look, we want you to understand that state conversations 
can be an important tool in terms of retention of team members, understanding what you can do better, different in your workforce, and creating connection with people that you really care about and growing their careers. Those are your three takeaways. I love that. I feel like we need like a little emoji mic drop that just like flashes across the screen. (laughs) (laughs) And look, I get that people have quotas and they've got things to do and they're on the road and they have to go sell. But how can you, this is a place where you and HR can remove a roadblock and say, hey, we're going to give you one paid hour a week to go have conversations with your team members, right? How can you do that? If you feel it's important, if you feel it's beneficial, but it's part of the overall structure that you have. So how can you alter the structure if you're having a retention issue to help leaders make it a priority? Like, of course, like you've got to understand is priority, uh, um, is it a function of commitment or is it a function of excuse? And Granted, there's things that are always going to get in the way, but if you're really committed to growing the team and that's part of the organization that you want to create, let's work together to figure out how we can create time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, thank you all for joining us. I think we're ready to wrap up. All right, let's do it. We'll definitely... Um, you know, stay with us in the HR heroes. Just to summarize, stay conversations help you reduce turnover. They help you have conversations with people that you don't want to leave. And they give you great opportunities um, to, you know, be, make things better in your organizations. So thanks for joining us. And we'll be back May 30th, right after Memorial Day. So I hope you have all a great three-day weekend coming up here later in the month. We'll be discussing how employee recognition impacts culture, retention, and engagement. So be sure to subscribe to our series, download it in any podcasting platform and get involved in our Slack community so we can all help each other be better. We're so grateful for all the wonderful work you're doing out there. You make places better to work and Vanessa and I are grateful. Thanks, Vanessa. You're amazing. Love these conversations. Thanks, (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bambi HR. Visit us at bambooHR.com slash HR dash unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambi HR sets people free to do great work. 